Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Post House Shirtlift. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet. Every Monday and Thursday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among all things, runs a week-long family camp. And this year's camp, I should say next year's camp, will be in Plainfield, New Hampshire, at the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Conference Center, July 19th to the 24th. So check our website for more information. Uh, we also, you can also hear this show on our Podomatic page, podomatic.com, and on our YouTube channel. Well, we have a guest on the line, and that would be Dr. Jane Orient of the Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. How are you doing, Jane? Well, good morning, Hal. It's such an honor to be with you and, and with the Camp Constitution people. Well, I don't think we've actually met, but we have a lot of common friends, and that would include... Uh, the good Dr. Willie Soon and Lord Christopher Monckton, and I'm sure many others that attend your conference. Tell us a little bit about your organization, and then I want to get into your excellent article you wrote about uh, little Greta, the climate uh, Well, Doctors, Doctors for Disaster Preparedness was founded back in around 1983 and mainly to promote civil defense. That was at the time of the nuclear freeze movement, and a lot of hysteria about the end of the world coming from a nuclear attack or from nuclear winter, along with a, a, an effort to deny Americans any means of preparation or defense. And there was a lot of, of false information about radiation. And so we, we were to provide accurate information to Americans about this threat. But now that that's kind of fallen out of public consciousness, although in reality, we have more nuclear weapons in the world in different places than we did before. Um, the, the way to destroy America now is through false, false hypotheses about you know, the final extinction from global warming or climate change or climate crisis or climate emergency. They kind of keep moving the goalposts on that. It's always interesting, though. There's always these doom, doom, doomsdayers either nuclear annihilation, we must unilaterally disarm uh, and just uh, let, let the Soviets prevail. And then that was back in the 70s and 80s. Now the world's coming to an end because of this evil, wicked gas called carbon uh, dioxide, CO2, as Willie calls it, Willie soon calls it the satanic gas. Um, your organization has done a lot to uh, refute these claims. And you host, uh, you host an annual convention? Yes, we have an annual meeting that um, in the summertime at different places. We try very hard not to compete with Camp Constitution. Because oh, okay. well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Willie Soon has spoken at our meetings for years, for decades actually. Always gives a wonderful presentation about something new and fresh, new data, excellent science. And th this is the main thing that we do now is to try to disseminate the, the facts about um, the real threats in the world and what we need to do to protect ourselves. And certainly we do not need to 
destroy our energy economy. Uh, no, Dr. Arthur Robinson is also involved in your group, correct? Yes, he's one of our directors, and he speaks and every year. No, he's not a medical doctor, is he? No, he is a PhD in uh, chemistry. He is a world-class biochemist who is doing some really remarkable research in um, human metabolism. And he took over from um, uh, Peter, the, the late great Dr. Peter Beckman. He took over access to energy from um, Peter Beckman. Yes. Peter Beckman. Yes. Now, uh, I saw your recent posting, uh, and you were refuting a lot of the a lot of the claims made by people like Greta. And my opinion about little Greta is that she's being. I, I think she's a victim of child abuse. I think that she actually bought into the scary scenarios that we we have less than, well, it was 12, 12 years back six months ago when AOC said that. So we have probably about 11 and a half years left. And she actually, unless she's acting, unless it's just one big act, which I'm not sure, uh, but she believes that uh, the world's coming to an end. And although when she gave her speech at the UN, she said future generations, well, there really won't be any if that's true, that we're going to be done, done, done away with in 11 and a half years. But just give us a sort of an overview of your article and then some of the points made there that just ridic- ridiculous, that refute this ridiculous uh, notion. Well, I think that poor Greta is, is a, a sick person. She is um, now turned 17. At age 11, she nearly starved to death because of anorexia. She has, had, she has a number of psychiatric diagnoses, that she, like Asperger's syndrome, that she is now trying to say that gives her superpowers and has told her mother that she can actually see carbon dioxide molecules and the evil effects that they're having on the world. Did she walk people, on water? Has she been able to do that yet? Well, she sailed on water uh, with she a, you know, on water, a very, right. very racing yacht underneath her. Well, I, understand, I understand that a couple of the crew members actually had to fly from Sweden to New York to actually pilot the ship back. So we really didn't save any, uh, any, uh, any CO2s from that uh, little public relations stunt. No, we didn't. I think it was just theater. It was kind of symbolic, a demonstration of what we all need to do. We all need to sacrifice and give up our comfortable way of living to save this planet or else we're all going to die. I mean, whoever, ta- whoever taught her that, I think she's been immersed in this type of teaching throughout her life. And... And I guess people with her her neurologic condition tend to be obsessed and to focus on focus on things very narrowly and not uh, be open to other impressions. And I think her parents are of the same. I guess I don't know if they're socialists. And it's sad though because uh, my my. my we're going to have some of our campers. We've started something called the uh, Agenda 21 Challenge, launched by Debbie Bacigalupi, who I'm sure you probably know. She may have been at your events. And we're actually, they're actually writing a letter, an open letter to uh, Greta, inviting her to come to our camp where she'll find loving adults, children that are concerned about our future but have an uh, optimistic outlook. And I think they have the optimistic outlook because they have what maybe we call a Judeo-Christian worldview. 
uh, as opposed to, I don't know if Greta's an atheist or what her background is, but it's not a really hopeful worldview. No, it's, it's a, a, a view of panic and despair. She doesn't want people to be optimistic. She, she wants them to be as frightened as she is and as depressed about the future. I mean, obviously, this, this, this girl really needs love and support. And I think that now she is really being captured by people who are using her as a tool for their own political agenda. Yeah, the sad thing, you know, the Bible talks, so Jesus talked about um, when you cause a little one to sin, it's worse than uh, you're better off hanging a, a millstone around your neck and, and going to the sea. Uh, and I think that's what's happening. These young children are being abused all over the world at these public schools, some private schools that are teaching them this worldview that because of uh, free, the free market or capitalism, because of people who have single-family homes that, that, that uh, have cars or SUVs or take vacations and, and buy airline tickets, all of this is a horrible, horrible thing. And, um, and then we have to reduce our standard of living. But sadly, I don't see most of these people who uh, are screaming from the housetops about this actually doing anything to change their lifestyle. Is that correct? Um, well, you don't see them doing much. There's hypocrisy all over the place. And they, I mean, they're utterly dependent on, on the technological world that we have. I mean, Greta is being supported by billionaires. That, that uh, voyage across the Atlantic was by no means cheap. That yacht is a multi-million dollar yacht. And they are, they're out there blaming their parents for everything, calling, you know, their parents are evil. They're, they've destroyed their future, even though they've received everything from their parents. They, most of them don't know how to do anything on their own to sustain their own life. And what they're demanding their parents to do, you know, reduce the world to poverty, is, is just utter nonsense. I think that if we were to follow the game plan or the, uh, the, uh, the policies of this Green New Deal, which is nothing more than the f total fruition of Agenda 21, that we wouldn't be, there'd be mass starvation. They would be, people would be freezing to death. They might be dying of heat stroke in the summertime. Um, I interviewed Dr. Tony, uh, Tony Heller uh, about six months ago, and he's sort of a climate historian, among other things. And he talked about heat waves back in the 1930s that killed thousands of people, uh, mainly in you know, inner cities where air condition was unavailable. I guess it was a relatively new concept back then as well. He said, if that happened today, there would be widespread panic. Oh, absolutely, there would. And I... It's, I remember reading an essay. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Go ahead. People somehow believe what the Green New Deal proponents are saying, that it's going to create many, many jobs. The economy is going to thrive because we'll get all of this energy from clean, renewable sources, and it's dirt cheap like the, the wind and the sun are free. But they completely forget what it takes to make those solar panels or those wind turbines the devastating effect they have on the environment, the utter impossibility that these unreliable sources can produce anything like the energy that we need. I think maybe we invested $2 trillion in subsidizing these things, and they still produce less than 2% of the world's energy. I mean, you can say, well, they're growing by leaps and bounds, 
that you know going from nothing to slightly less than nothing maybe a hundred percent increase but it still doesn't amount to anything well what I observed is that if um, if the free market if there's a, a need for something the free market where it does exist doesn't exist in too many places unfortunately will create will make that will create uh, will uh, meet that need if uh, solar panels were viable uh, things to use there'd be no need for government subsidies. If wind turbines were the thing we need to use, uh, you, the free market would figure out a way to make it available and, uh, and, and as time went on, much more cheaper. Uh, but they have to be heavily subsidized by governments at all levels, local, federal, state levels. And uh, you look at the environmental consequences of, of wind turbines and these solar panels, you know, uh, in Massachusetts, you get on the, what we call the Massachusetts Turnpike, Route uh, 90, which goes up to Washington State. And you'll, you, you used to see some little fields as you're driving, and now you're seeing these so-called solar farms. I don't know if they have solar uh, panel seeds. They start and they grow on their own, but they call them farms. And what used to be a nice field is now covered with solar panels. And uh, these solar panels use rare earth materials. It's uh, quite a, a drain on the uh, on the environment to to produce these things, and I understand that the actually uh, toxic uh, toxins come off of them as uh, as it rains and as it as they, as they break down. Is that correct? Oh, certainly it is, and there's going to be a big toxic waste disposal problem. And if Greta is concerned about her childhood being stolen from her. She has no concern for the little children in Africa who are having to mine the cobalt to supply mm. all, all our electronic devices and maybe the batteries for the backup to these solar farms. You know, they live in utter poverty in very dangerous conditions. Some of them are killed by the dangerous conditions in the mine, but, but their health is, is suffering in the long term, even if they manage to survive um, cave-ins and things like that. No concern whatsoever for these children. I know I had the pleasure of meeting the late Roy Innes of the um, Congress for Racial Equality at a Heartland Institute conference. And he did a lot with that. Uh, you know, he went to Af Sub-Saharan Africa. They were actually, he worked with a Dr. Paul Reeder, I believe from France, and they were able to get a, I forget what country it was, but they were able to repeal their uh, ban on um, that insecticide there that uh, was was very helpful and uh, what's the name of that insecticide that was DDT. banned? Uh, DDT, thank you. Yeah, Rachel Carson's book in the early 60s, Silent Spring. But, but when they banned it, there were thousands of people, if not millions of people, getting various diseases uh, and dying. And uh, as Dr. Reeder explained and uh, Roy Innes explained, that this stuff wasn't sprayed on the open fields and the jungles. It was sprayed around the, the, the homes. And uh, he said, you know, obviously, there was a lot of uh, exaggeration about the ill effects of this. But uh, he gave a speech at that event, and he said, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa needs energy. And they showed a satellite of the world. And it showed, even, uh, even today, they, they used to refer to it as the dark continent, and for good reason. Because once you get a little bit south of the, it's still dark. It's very, there's not a lot of uh, energy being produced. And What's the average life expectancy in many of these third world countries? Is it under 40 years of age? Uh, well, I think it's getting a little better now, but uh, still it is much diminished. 
So you, you can actually make the case that uh, the some of the the uh, to make a case that to uh, deny these countries en- this energy is almost a form of racism. You know, you, we don't want you to be, survive and thrive. We want you to have uh, p- grinding poverty. I think it was uh, well. Maybe you can call it genocide, considering all the people who died of malaria, especially babies in Africa dying of malaria, for fake concern about birds. A lot of the DDT evidence was fabricated or non-existent. But nobody cares about the fact that there may be two, two or three billion fewer birds now than there were before we started uh, erecting all of these bird killers or bird shredders called wind turbines. Yeah, well, I understand that they're quite devastating to, especially bats. And bats are very helpful. They control mosquitoes. Um, and what's interesting too is uh, the average wind turbine. It's a couple of what is it, three point five kilowatt. Um, they they're about a million to two million dollars to to build. They require uh, vast amounts of concrete and steel. You have to clear cut up the hill. Uh, then you have to have transmission lines down the hill. Uh, they they can catch fire pretty easy, and you can't just get a garden hose and put the fire out. Is that correct? I mean, they, there's no way to really uh, to really put a fire out one of these turbines that's maybe 60 feet high. Well, no, not with the oil fires that that are caused by them, and they can they can hurl their blades a long distance. Um, maybe if, especially if they're covered with ice, they can fall off. It's uh, then to decommission them. They cost almost half a million dollars, and that's not a complete decommissioning. They only they only get rid of the the effects down to about four feet and the concrete goes down to about 15 feet and then there are wow. cables and other things that are under the earth so restoring the earth to its previous state will probably be you know, unaffordable if not impossible so they just uh, dis- destroy the uh, destroy the environment without actually uh, uh, having a positive impact and uh, and even if they were running at full efficiency which is impossible don't, they kind of wear out after so many years too don't they by the time they pay for themselves they're already broken well maybe they never do pay for themselves the lifespan is maybe 15 maybe 20 years probably not as long as was originally estimated and then once they're, they're broken down it's very difficult or impossible to recycle many of the components, so they're being buried in huge landfills. It's it's incredible how um, it's almost as if these most of these uh, people, and I think it's important to have a concern for the environment. I know your organization does. Uh, I think responsible people do, but they just uh, they they latch on to these uh, false premises and they latch on to these uh, notions that. Things of this uh, solar panels and uh, wind turbines are going to be the the, the uh, in electric cars are going to be the wave of the future. Uh, talk a little bit about these electric cars and how uh, how unef- inefficient they are. Well, they they certainly have a short range, and although Joe Biden has has uh, promised to install 500,000 charging stations. Can you imagine what's going to happen if somebody runs out of of uh, charge in the middle of a busy freeway? Uh, maybe they'll have to send out a diesel truck with a diesel generator on it to rescue the people. But 
it, it's and been caught in a snowstorm or trying to evacuate from a hurricane, how would that work with something that has such a short range? And then I just read on Twitter this morning about someone who paid around $50,000 for a new electric car. A new battery is going to cost him $33,000, and the value of the car is now down to $12,000. So to think we're going to replace millions of gasoline-fueled cars with uh, these electric cars in a few years is total fantasy. The world probably does not have the manufacturing capacity to make that many batteries in any event. And those batteries aren't the little batteries we, we might put in, uh, you know, our, uh, our radios or uh, our appliances. We're talking about these things that, what, they weigh about five or 600 pounds or something ridiculous like that. They're extremely heavy, and they can catch fire. There's been examples of these uh, Tesla cars just catching fire. You know, I, battery. Uh, I... I was up in rural New Hampshire. I was at a, coming back from an event last year. And, you know, the old saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. But here was a tow truck uh, towing an uh, uh, electric car. Probably the person drove a little too far from the city and had no means of recharging. And doesn't it take about four or five hours to fully recharge one of these cars? I guess it's getting uh, shorter, a shorter time than it used to be. I guess people will plan to have it in their garage and recharge them overnight so that they can commute to work the next day. But I don't think I can get from Tucson to Phoenix in the best of these uh, these cars. And then you put your air conditioning on and forget it, right? You, you just take it. Oh, yeah. And plus, in cold weather, or the, it just charges a whole lot faster than it's supposed to. So the range that you're counting on may be vanishing before your very eyes while you're stuck out at the point of no return between two charging stations. It's incredible. And then um, these charging stations, I do see some of these uh, available for free, you know, if you have a – and they, have, they give preferential parking spots for those with electric cars as if the evil – the people that drive cars that use uh, gasoline are somehow second-class citizens. I just – and usually, almost every time I've seen one of these charging stations in these parking lots, they're always, there's nobody there, no, no vehicle using them. But I guess we, uh, we, feel, we feel warm and fuzzy, as the, the late uh, Dr. Dixie Lee Rees, uh, uh, she's talking about recycling. She says, you know, it doesn't really have much of an impact. In most cases, it's negative. But we feel warm and fuzzy because we think we're doing something for the environment. It makes it, it's like these bike paths. And that's another thing, too, that you see in, in cities. You see these roads. Now, you know, legally, you can, most roads, you can allow, you're allowed to drive a, a bicycle, ride a bicycle on most roads, but you've got to be very careful because of the volume of traffic. And so it discourages bike riding on some of these uh, busy city roads. And, um, and now they're putting bike paths everywhere. And these people actually think uh, that by riding their bike, they're saving the planet. And then next thing you know, the number of bike fatalities have gone up uh, 300% in the last five or six years. Well, that's true. We have a lot of these in Tucson, and every once in a while you see a bicycle riding in them, but it's still very, very dangerous for the, for the bike rider. I actually, it was uh, just a few days ago, I'm driving, I'm riding, in, and I live right in the city of Boston, and there was this uh, a, a man with a bicycle, and he had a little... Uh, trailer and there's a little child in the back with a helmet on and i said talk about endangering children i mean you're on a busy street 
you've got these these little bike paths that they created by uh, narrowing the streets, making them even more congested. And then all of a sudden, the, the bike paths disappear, and you're now back on the road uh, with the Mack trucks and the cars and the SUVs. And, uh, and then uh, you'll see that... Uh, when the when there are fatalities, you'll see these little what they call ghost bikes. You'll see a, uh, somebody had, gets an old bike and they spray paint it white and they put it there as a monument to uh, the poor soul or souls that got clobbered in a car accident. And uh, to me, that would discourage me from riding the bike, but just the opposite. I guess it means we need to be doing more of this or uh, get a few cars in the in, in, in the cities. And that's, I think, the game plan is to... Um, I think it wasn't an Al Gore's Earth in the Balance. Did he say that the biggest threat is the CO, is the internal combustion engine? Well, I guess it keeps changing. Another big threat is hospitals, whose anesthetic gases might contaminate the environment and cause global warming. But you know, people seem to think you put a helmet on and you'll be okay. But if you get hit on your head, you're also probably going to break your neck, and your and your whole body may be damaged. So it, it really is extremely dangerous to ride a bicycle in traffic, helmet or no helmet. Well, it's a false sense of security. My son is, uh, does mixed martial arts, and he said they stopped, the, the, stopped wearing the helmets because you, you're still getting whacked in the head, and it's the, it's the whack in the head that causes the concussions, not so much the helmet isn't really. The helmet thinks, you, oh, I wear the helmet, I, I'll be able to absorb the blows, but it doesn't work that way, you know? Especially true with helmets too. These really great football helmets have not decreased and probably increased concussions because people feel safer and they um, they take more risks. Like I say, a false sense of security. So, what what do you think? Uh, what is the solution? I, and um, I know that your organization is active in helping with a solution. What would you recommend to people listening? Okay, we hear all this information. Uh, we see what's happening in the schools, but what kind of things can they do to, um, to make an impact? I think that they need to speak the truth at every possible opportunity, and even one voice can be very, very powerful. And we know that from the, from the extreme efforts that the bad guys make to try to silence the smallest dissenting voice. So parents, you know, take an interest in the school curriculum. Uh, teach your children at home. Um, go to the school board meetings and object to curricula that are damaging to your children. Make sure that your children have the tools to think for themselves. They need to be able to read better and to do their own math and not be destroyed by this common core curriculum. Maybe you take your kids out of the public schools altogether. Well, that's a solution that we, we used um, prior to our, my wife and I having children. We decided to homeschool. And uh, actually, we did put two of our children in the, in the Christian school for a couple of years. But we homeschooled. And it's really upsetting. I, there are lots of people out there that call themselves conservatives and Christians. And they still think that these government schools are salvageable. And... Uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, we need to get them out as soon as possible. Grand, you know, grandparents listening to this, your children if they, if they, if they get they're putting their kids in public schools, you're going to you have a good chance of losing them, and that's why it's so important. Well, like, you need Alex, kids out now, and they will they are not going to change until parents start exiting in in droves. I think that's how you vote with your feet. 
And today, there's so many resources out there uh, that, uh, and now, what kind of resources do you, does your organization have? Do you have a YouTube channel? We have um, a website, ddponline.org, and most of the lectures at our annual meeting do eventually turn up on the YouTube channel, and we also make recordings available to people who want them. We have a bi-monthly newsletter that's available on request. Uh, we have our climate change IQ test that we keep promoting by any means that we can. Uh, so far, nobody's actually challenged our answers. They just, they just uh, deplore anybody who dares to question the, the orthodoxy. Yes, I actually saw that from that email that you, that, that, that you sent out. I, I tell us a little bit, we've got about a minute and a half left, so tell us a little bit about that, IQ, uh, that uh, climate change IQ test there. Well, it asks, like, what would happen if we decreased the CO2 in the atmosphere below a certain level, namely all life on Earth would die? Why can't every state duplicate California's clean energy rules? Well, because somebody's got to generate the electricity. Uh, while wildfires are increasing, well, no. Um, we stop hurricanes with, you know, stopping fossil fuels. Well, no, hurricanes have not increased. Answers to the to a lot of the questions that keep coming up, with graphs and references to the literature. It's a, yeah. They actually think everything everything is a result of uh, climate change, whether it be uh, radical Muslims, whether it be. Um, uh, squirrels gathering nuts early. I mean, it's, it's just in, in, insane. No matter what the problem is, they point to climate change, hurricanes. And then when you look at the, uh, look at the stats, they even will blame heavy snowfall in cold weather, you know, uh, on climate change. It's just, uh, they've just become so unhinged. And I think that's, I think that's a good sign because I think that we're, we're able to turn the tide. And I know years ago I heard Professor Richard Linson Gave a, gave a presentation, and he said, we have two things on our side. He says, we have Mother Nature itself, and we have the truth. And I think with that, I, uh, can you let the listeners uh, where they can find your website? It's ddponline.org. And the other site they might want is the, the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. It has an excellent article by Richard Linson in it. It has the classic article by Robinson, Robinson, and Soon about the effects of atmospheric carbon dioxide. And that website is jpands.org for the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. Or you can also get it from aapsonline.org. That's the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, online.org, aapsonline.org, that would link to the journal. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on, uh, Dr. Jane Orient. This, uh, you've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your, Hel- with your host, Hal Shirtliff. And until next week, may God richly bless you. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.